0: Welcome to The Fine Art of Coaching. Two friends and senior coaches across oceans, Anindita Das and Maureen Ovin, invite you to join us on a close and honest exploration of organizational life that brings a deeper perspective on leadership and important issues of the day. I'm Anindita Das, a senior coach in Beijing, China. I work with individuals, groups and corporates to educate and effect real change from
1: inside out. I'm Maureen Owen, an executive coach in Brisbane, Australia. I support leaders, teams and organisations to navigate change and to work with challenges to transform their impact. Welcome today to Leadership Stories podcast. Today we have a real treat for you in store. We have Gavin Blakey. Someone that I've known for a number of years. He is an engineer, a humanitarian, a mentor, coach, and all round extraordinary human being. He, um, just to give you a snapshot of some of the incredible things that he has done, he's been chair of the board of Engineers Without Borders Australia. He is passionate, and I can absolutely um, have experienced this passionate about helping people reach their full potential by building capacity um, as a workplace coach, as a mentor for young people. He um, has also, as an engineer, worked in many engineering positions. His last position as principal engineer, strategic asset management, had him managing a substantial portfolio of assets and infrastructure here in Brisbane. He, also has extensive experience in global leadership as the past international president and chair of the board of Toastmasters International. He has worked in a number of places around the world, including the United Kingdom, Taiwan, Cambodia, and Vietnam. And he's also been awarded the Medal of Australia and the National Emergency Medal Award. So, Gavin, welcome. It is a real privileged to have you with us today to share your story of um, leadership.
2: Thanks, much, Maureen and Anandita. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Gavin, I want to start with, um, I'm I'm not curious because of all the accolades that you have, (laughs) Um, you know, it seems like it's your hobby to collect medals and, <laughs> yeah. and, and so you know tell us a little of your story and and I'm, I'm really curious you know has it been since when you look back since childhood did you have this call to adventure as a
2: leader mm. it's a great question thanks Anna and Dieter and and my story Maybe a little different to others. Maybe people always had a calling, but for me, it wasn't that wasn't the case. I think I, it was more an evolution rather than a revolution. In other words, one thing led to another. And so, my story really is about starting with adversity and at university, being in front of a doctors and professors and people who know more than you know, and having to stand up there and deliver a presentation and feeling as though. That was very traumatising for me and deciding I had to do something about it, that as a professional engineer, if I wanted to be able to communicate effectively with an audience, with with clients, with peers, I needed to be confident and competent in communication. So in a sense, that's where my adventure began, because I decided to do something about that feeling of inadequacy and terror, actually, (laughs) in standing and speaking before a group. And so I started to hone and polish and develop my communication, in particular, my public speaking skills. And it was through that journey that people said, oh, have you thought about being a club president? Or have you thought about being a vice president? And in fact, the first time I stood for election, I lost. (laughs) And so that was a bit of a lesson in itself, really, isn't it? That sometimes as a leader, things don't turn out as you expect. But ever since then, uh, in leadership roles, I've been elected into roles or I've been appointed into roles and continued into those roles. But part, of, I think, of the development of a leader is going through some of those challenges along the way. So that kind of led to people encouraging me to take on roles. And that was where my adventure began because people saw the potential in me before I had saw the potential in myself. And I think that's another lesson I've learned along the way is that, one see the potential in yourself, but two, and perhaps even more importantly, is see the potential in other people, encourage them, enable them, support them so that they can become their best possible selves. So that was kind of the beginning of my leadership journey. In fact, as you described it, the leadership adventure, <laughs> which I love. So Gavin,
1: are there other challenges that you've encountered along the way that have been significant in your development as a leader
2: mm. yeah I mean, absolutely each uh, role has its different challenges and its different opportunities and and I, part of it is how we see the circumstance I believe. And, and so it's really stretched me in, in all these roles. So if we go back to that Toastmasters experience, so Toastmasters is best known as a public speaking organisation. It's actually a leadership development organisation. So people join often to become confident and competent in communication. But certainly the reason I stayed was that what an amazing professional development experience in leadership. To gain those skills and experience in an organization that is doing good in the community and helping others to be the best possible selves. And then applying that in my workplace. So, effectively, it was professional development, and also then applying it in my community roles, for example, as the chair of the board for engineers without Board of Australia. And in each of my roles, whether it be through the Toastmasters, uh, ultimately, as Maureen was saying, be, becoming the international president. And by the way, that wasn't my aspiration. It was simply that others had encouraged me into the role. And then if they um, saw that maybe that was possible, then maybe I saw that it was possible. So that was an experience which I never anticipated, but which enabled me to be part of an international organization. So at that stage, I had 200,000 members in 100 countries. And what that did was it gave me a global perspective. So while I was based here in Australia, I had the opportunity to travel to spoken probably in 20 different countries. And I don't say that in any way to Scott, I just say that to, to give context to that taking that first step of addressing my fear of speaking propelled me in a way over a period of years, by the way propelled me to this amazing professional development opportunity which included speaking to people in 20 different countries learning more about the world and of course there was challenges in those roles too it wasn't all uh, it, it wasn't completely enjoyable all of the time uh, every leader find circumstances where change occurs and we need to be able to address that and one example would be that each country has different culture and so the way they apply the program is different the way they interpret the program being able to create a program that is going to be beneficial for everybody is one of the challenges as a leader when you are working with volunteers then volunteers are doing that because they believe in what they're doing but you also get a whole mixture of different styles of, of personalities and leadership. And so being able to work with a whole range of people was one of the challenges of leadership. And I'm very grateful for that because that's the reality of being a leader. So whether it's in Dose Masters, whether it's in my role as Chair of the Board of Engineers, with our Board of Australia, whether it was in my workplace, even in my workplace, there's at least 30% of the people who were born overseas. And that's one of the advantages is you are surrounded by people who have different culture different background different approaches and that actually gives a better solution if i could give one more example of a challenge in leadership is that one of my roles was to manage the city's assets and the city's assets are about 23 billion australian dollars probably that it's about, that's about probably 20 million, billion us dollars and while i don't have to go and look after every asset. I had a responsibility to ensure those assets were managed well. And then we had a flood. The biggest flood we'd had in 40 years. And a lot of our infrastructure was very badly affected. And tens of thousands of people were affected within the city. And so all of a sudden, going from doing my day-to-day job to the next day, being in the thick of it, being able to respond as a leader to the crisis that was happening and making sure that we're addressing the highest priorities meant that you had to draw on all of your previous experience. And so this is where another lesson in leadership is sometimes you don't know where the experience you gain might be useful in the future. And at the time, you might feel as though, hmm, wonder why this is happening to me. This is unfair. I wish this wasn't happening. Yeah. actually what might be happening is you're gaining some experience then which will certainly is useful then for you and for the circumstance but actually set you up for a future leadership challenge uh, which means you can then it's the springboard for you to be able to be that your best possible self in that situation so I'm surrounded by people who are doing the best they could for the people in our city we had um, a lot of people working in our crisis centre. We had to be, have a lot of clarity of thought, we had to be able to, and as you do in a leadership role, is to be able to give people responsibility and ask them to run with their role, but at the same time to communicate effectively with everybody else. So in times of crisis, like a flood for example, then it's all hands on deck and leadership is a key to the success in that circumstance.
0: So, I'm, I'm going to, Gavin, I'm going to pull on your experience that you had, and you won a medal, National Emergency mm-hmm. Medal, for mm-hmm. significant contributions to managing mm-hmm. the response to devastating floods in Brisbane in 2011. And mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you just mentioned that. Um, and you mentioned um, the learning that you gained from mm-hmm. handling that crisis and, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, the contributions. Mm-hmm. How has it translated to um, the COVID crisis?
2: Oh. Mm. That's also a great question, because it's an example, isn't it, where everybody's focused on this challenge that we have. And the leadership skills are enduring because they the principles apply regardless of the circumstance. And so whether it's a flood, whether it's business as usual, or whether it's a crisis like COVID, then the leadership principles apply. And we can see in different leaders in different countries and even within our own countries, different applications of leadership. And some have been more successful, you might say, than others. But what I do know is that all of them put in 100% effort for what they had whether it be their own personal experience or the resources they have with them at the time. And I think what we can do is to observe different uh, leader, leaders and leadership style during a crisis like this, to be able to say what's working well and why, what's not working well and could be done differently. So it's not from a judgmental perspective of that person's right and that person's wrong, but more from a perspective of, hmm, what can we learn out of this? circumstance. So it absolutely applies in a circumstance like COVID. So the same thing, for example, and being adept, being willing to change as, as needed, uh, based on the best information that's available at the time, being willing to accept that, okay, the decision we made yesterday was the best decision we could at the time. But today, we need to change that because we have new information. And being willing to say, yep, an example might be masks. So a lot of leader was saying don't need a mask and then I think most people realize a mask is a good idea so being willing to say we've now discovered that the masks do make a difference so we are encouraging in fact requiring people to wear masks so that's a form of leadership is being able to acknowledge recognize that we need to be able to be adaptable to the circumstance also that we don't have all the answers So whether it's a flood, and during a flood, you don't know how high the water's going to rise until it reaches its peak. When it's starting to fall, you can tell how, you can predict how quickly it will fall, but you don't know how far it's going to rise. And it's the same when you see the, and I feel very sad for the people who are going through COVID at the moment uh, in countries that are most adversely impacted, is that as the wave goes up, we don't know how high the wave is going to go. Once it reaches its peak, everyone's got a great relief but it could go a lot higher. So being able to be adept, adaptable, um, positive, listening, uh, being able to draw in all the resources, have a a single focus is true, whether it's in a flood situation, whether it's in an emergency such as COVID or in in any other day-to-day. It's just that in a crisis, it's easier to see exactly what's going on.
1: Gavin, you like what standing out for me is like the breadth of your leadership experience in very different contexts. Mm-hmm. So, like you're talking about two, like really extreme crisis mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. in the leadership mm-hmm. that's required. But I'm also aware that you have experience in um, organisations where you're trying to build them up, mm-hmm. and with volunteers, with um, Teams that are highly skilled professionals. And yeah. So I'm wondering, based on your own experience, what is your view? Like, are there different types of leadership that are needed for different contexts, or and mm-hmm. or like, are there is there a common um, thread that you see that flows through all of those things that is required? I guess I'm saying from you as a
2: leader because Mm. you can't Mm. divorce that from your answer. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much for that, Maureen, because it is the challenge for a leader to be able to apply the leadership style in the circumstance. So earlier on, I talked about principles apply regardless of circumstance. Sometimes the way you apply that might be slightly different. For example, in a crisis, it needs to be snappier decisions, so faster decisions. In a normal day-to-day circumstance, we might spend more time gathering information, going and talking to people, getting views, consolidating that down. So that's very helpful because that can give the best overall solution. In a time of crisis, you still need to do the same principle. You gather information, you engage people, but need to make some of the decisions faster than we would normally. And then when when we think about professional organisations, even really in the circumstance of work, as I think about it now, is that people come to work because they choose to. They turn up because they want to be there. We hope that's always the case. I mean, some people will, it will be out of necessity they're working, but for many or you know, most people, is they choose to do that because they want to be able to make a difference in, in what they're doing. So there's a general sentiment in that, and certainly in organisations that people join, where they're joining for either professional development or to make a difference, for example, Engineers Without Borders. They're a little bit driven to be able to make a difference. And so the role of a leader, I think, is to be able to harness that passion. If we can harness the passion of people, they'll actually be wanting to do that anyway, do whatever it is. And perhaps the best indication of effective leadership is if the team say, we did this, (laughs) rather than sort of pointing at the leader and said, she or he did that. It's like, we did this. Well, that's an effective leader up there doesn't have to be up, by the way, can be out there, uh, out there because they have empowered and enabled the people in those circumstances. So I see my role as a leader, really, as an enabler, as a facilitator, as an encourager. And someone I used. one of the CEOs I was coaching recently described her role as a cheerleader. And I thought, that's perfect. Ah. her, Her role is to cheer the others on to encourage them in those times where they have a bit of doubt, where they're not sure. Because by the way, regardless of which role we're in, we have doubts about ourselves, about our experience, about whether we know enough. So that's an enabler if you know that. Okay, well, everybody else is in the same situation. So our role is to encourage and enable them, to support them, to be them, their best selves.
0: So Gavin, As we wind up our conversation, what is the Mm -hmm. one last thing you would like to leave people with?
2: Pursue your passion. (laughs) If you pursue your passion, almost everything else takes care of itself. And you might say, Gavin, I don't know what my passion is. Well, my advice is try a few different things out Mm -hmm. because that way you'll find what your passion is. If you pursue your passion, Others will see your passion. They'll be attracted to you. You'll be able to um, encourage them to harness their passion. And the leadership piece just falls into place because you'll be willing, able and wanting to do that task of being a leader. Because there are times when it feels like a task and there are times when you feel so proud of what you've achieved. And that's just natural and normal in a leadership role. So always... Develop your professional, pursue your professional development, and follow your passion would be my piece of advice. And enjoy the journey, really. <laughs> no, sorry, enjoy the adventure.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great term, isn't it? I love that term, adventure, Gavin. So I have to add one more question. And I'm so sorry, but I, I look, I love you. I love your answer to the last advice. And. It, Leaves me wondering what have you discovered is your passion that has propelled mm. you forward as a leader?
2: Mm. My passion really would be feeling as though I'm contributing to or making a difference in whatever I'm doing. So if we think about the first example I gave, the Toastmasters would be I joined to help develop my own confidence and confidence, but then I discovered, mm. oh. If I do that, then I can also help others to gain the confidence and competence. But think about my workplace: is that as an engineer working to help the community, so I can have a better standard of life, a better standard of living, an enjoyable life. I could contribute in that way. And the third one is the engineers with our borders. I feel as though, in my role there, that I'm not only assisting the community in my own country, but also nationally, nationally and internationally. So for me, the passion is really feeling as though I'm contributing and making a difference and being part of a community that wants to be able to do just that.
1: Wow. That's so interesting. It it, it is, Gavin. Thank you. And you absolutely have contributed to the conversation that Ann and and I are wanting to create around leadership stories. And I'm sure you're your advice and your story will make a difference to other people that are on the journey as well. So thank you so much, Gavin. For being my pleasure.
2: My absolute pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking with you both. I'd just add two quick ones. That would be get a coach and get a mentor. And I can't think of any two better people than Maureen and Anita because it can be transformational in the leadership journey.
0: Thank you so much, Gavin. Yeah. Thank you. Next episode we have Beijing-based Enoch Lee, Social Entrepreneur Managing Director and the founder of Therapy. She is an advisory board member of the Movement for Global Mental Health and on the Executive Committee of Global Mental Health Peer Network. But my favorite avatar of Enoch is Knock Knock, which is her pen name, as she is a published writer of the book Stress in the City, Playing My Way Out of Depression. You're welcome next month to listen to our conversation along with Maureen in Brisbane, where we hear Enoch's story about her success, her depression, her achievements, her suicide attempt, and the rock stars in her life. This episode contains situations that can cause unwanted responses in certain audience. Listener discretion is advised.